Hello, I'm co-host Brooklyn Arroyo, and this is 100 Alumni Voices podcast, Stories That Inspire, where we explore the personal and professional journeys of a diverse group of 100 doctoral alumni from Johns Hopkins University. Today, we're joined by Nate Allen, PhD in African Studies. So how are you today, Nate? Good. Really glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming to the Futures Podcast. We're really excited to have you on here. So before we jump in, I just would like to know a little bit about your PhD experience, what you did within your graduate work at Hopkins, and and what that was like for you. Sure. So I got my PhD in African Studies as, as part of the School of Advanced International Studies. So one of my major three PhD preparations was on African Studies, but I also did a focus on security studies um, because my dissertation was on civil military relations and transitional politics in Africa. So learned a lot about you know PhD methods, um, had some opportunities to do field research in Nigeria and Tunisia. Um, it was a really fun time. Wow, that does sound amazing and being able to do some of that field work, especially. So what brought you into pursuing a PhD in in this subject? Yeah, so um, I decided I, I wanted to do a PhD actually pretty early on in my post in my post college career. Um, I had the opportunity to do an internship on the International Affairs Committee on the Hill, and I kind of considered myself to be a little bit more thoughtful than most policymakers, but maybe a little bit more practical and in wanting to do work that I, I, I saw as having concrete impact than mm-hmm. a lot of academics and noticed that there were a lot of think tanks around town um, that had a lot of PhDs in them, places like the World Bank. Um, you know, I thought that might be a, an interesting direction for my career to, to go in. Mm-hmm, definitely. So you knew that you wanted to pursue a PhD relatively early on? And was there anything that specifically drew you to African studies specifically? Um, actually, it, it's ironic. So I, I applied to SICE and got accepted into the African studies PhD program, mm-hmm. but did not specifically apply to the African studies PhD, if I recall. In fact, a lot of my, my doctoral applications were, were pretty general. Um, and, and and it's an interesting interesting story getting to the actual PhD. Um, even though it was something that I was pretty sure I wanted to do, and also, frankly, I'm pretty content with the the career path that I've chosen. It it certainly wasn't um, easy. Um, I went through two rounds of PhD applications actually. Um, the first round in 2012, um, when I applied for both masters and PhDs of international relations. Um, ended up getting my master's at uh, Princeton in part so I could be with my then fiance and now wife. Did a whole other round of applications when I was at Princeton. And I think I applied to 10 schools and only got into SICE. SICE was the very last place I heard back from. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so within those two rounds, what did you learn anything about the process that you think that, that other people ought to know who are 
perhaps listening and they're also pursuing their PhD now. And it is sure. a great process. So I don't I don't know if things have changed, but I think that one of my one of my lessons learned, especially from the second time around, is that uh, a lot of a lot of research universities just do not look down on look down on people who want to do policy oriented work and research. Um, and I, I had I, I was told by a couple of admissions officers that the fact I put on my application that I was potentially interested in not just doing uh, rigorous academic work and, and being a, a scholar was not looked uh, kindly upon because that's not what they saw as the research institution's central mission, um, even though I had a bit of a broader vision of what I wanted to do out of the PhD. Maybe that was just the schools I was applying for, but um, that was certainly that was certainly a part of my experience. I, I only kind of really learned it the, the second time around, I would say. Um, where I, I kind of had a, a part of my experience actually as a, as a master's student, mainly at Princeton, um, at, they didn't really know what to do with with master's students. Um, they had their undergraduates who they had a very kind of teaching focused curriculum for. They had their PhDs who they were doing PhD things, and so we sort of fell in the middle. And there was not a lot of a lot of ideas, a lot of support or, or interest in master's students getting PhDs. I think they saw it as kind of a waste of what they hoped would be future sort of senior, uh, you know, government officials or, or leader talent. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not at all um, how I saw it. But I think that that's a common perception, especially among talk academic and, and research institutions that if you are doing a PhD, you should only be in it for the pure scholarship uh, purposes. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that I, I think that actually, we would all be better served if um, all PhD programs had a little bit of a broader perspective on what they could, what what kind of skills you get out of being a PhD, and what kind of career trajectories are are possible? Mm -hmm. More than just the the linear going straight yeah. into academia and research and that sort of thing. So, outside your PhD, you know, the years following your graduation, what were sort of the first steps into your career? Uh, after my PhD or before? Yeah. After your PhD. Uh, after my PhD, so. You know, this is part of why I, I had a really good experience. Like I knew I was interested in sort of mid to senior level government think tank researchy jobs. Mm -hmm. And kind of what happened as a result of my PhD is I got a lot of expertise on African security issues. I was able to write about them. I was able to publish them. I was lucky in that kind of prior to getting the PhD program, I did have some career experience. I'd worked for three years as a research analyst for sort of a, a, a research organization called NORC at the University of Chicago, spent some time in Morocco. So, you know, I was like somebody who was just a little bit above entry level and what having the PhD and the publications really enabled me to do was to kind of make, I think, a compelling case to a lot of government and research institutions that I was a, I was a, I was a good choice. I was an interesting candidate. I noticed certainly that um, you 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 get. I think it's easier to find jobs anyway in your mid career as you get a little bit more specialized. But I certainly found that when I was applying to kind of the kinds of opportunities I was interested in, as I was getting the PhD, I got a lot more interest in my applications. I think in part because of having the PhD experience that I that I would have gotten without the PhD experience. Definitely. So in the work that you do now, what does sort of the day-to-day -day look like for you? 
So um, the kind of two main responsibilities that I have here at the Africa Center are first and foremost, we manage kind of week to three week long seminars for government and security sector officials in Africa. And so I manage our cybersecurity and peace operations portfolios. So I spend a fair amount of my time uh, thinking about speakers for those programs, thinking about course content, thinking about programming uh, for those programs. Um, uh, we also do a fair amount of research. So I've had like five or six different publications this year. So I will be doing uh, various kinds of research. And we also do uh, occasionally speaking engagements, press, uh, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. So a pretty diverse sort of work environment, not necessarily a straightforward every day you're doing the same sort of thing. No, not at all. And do you think that there was any major surprises to the work that you were doing based off of the things that you were learning in your PhD? Did you have any moments where you felt unprepared in the in the job that you entered now? No, I don't think there were any particular moments that I felt uh, unprepared, I think in part because I'd had previous work experience. I think one piece of advice I would give to, to people who are potentially interested in exploring a PhD, but without going straight into academia would be to get a little bit of work experience on your resume. Mm -hmm. Because again, I think with a PhD, you're generally competing for mid-level jobs. And so it's, it's a huge mix max if you just go straight through the PhD and have no work experience and start trying to compete for those, those same jobs. It helps to have at least a few years of being able to have done uh, some kind of work. And especially for, for what I do in international relations, getting uh, experience, you know, living in countries that I work on, studying languages, all that sort of thing prior to the PhD, I, I think was, was critical. Mm -hmm, definitely. So within international studies, uh, just the general idea of international studies, and if those pursuing a PhD, what advice do you have for actually entering careers and jobs that give you that work experience or, you know, that travel experience, that cultural experience that you're talking about? Yeah. So if you want to work in international relations, um, my, it, my probably number one top tip would be to get some experience uh, abroad in the countries or regions you're interested in while you are in college or immediately afterwards. Um, it, you know, it helps build out your resume. It helps get you language skills. It helps get you connections in the countries you're interested in studying. Um, you know, if you have the resources, and I know not all people do, I know folks who sometimes would just travel to a foreign country, show up and be able to get various kinds of paid contracting opportunities while they were there uh, on the ground to build experience that way. There are also places like the Peace Corps. Um, what, what I did was uh, when I was in college, I spent six months studying abroad in Mali, West Africa. Um, I, I spent three months in a, in a program on gender health and development and another three months interning for the U.S. Agency for International Development. And I think, you know, that experience, I think, you could draw a pretty much linear line from, from that experience and most of the other kinds of opportunities I've had in my career uh, up until this point. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, and they just sound like amazing experiences to have within a lifetime, you know, to have that exposure. Many people don't get to travel the world, really. So within this work, it does sound like you 
sort of have to widen your world a little bit. And within that, did you make any significant mentorship or networking opportunities that have really stuck with you over the years that that people have have still impacted you? Yeah, so I, I'd kind of highlight a couple of different mentorship um, experiences. Number one, I in retrospect, I was really, really lucky in immediately out of college um, having a couple of really, really good supervisors. First at my the job I worked for for three years as a research analyst at a place called NORC at the University of Chicago. And then secondly, I had a fellowship at, at the State Department. And, you know, I, I, they were both just people who were um, very interested in what I was doing, but also not kind of super micromanagey, enabled me to be independent, enabled me to kind of make the kind of contributions that I felt like I could make. Um, and I, I think one, one concrete piece of advice I'd have to people is that the, how happy you are in the job and the people you work with and the people you work for matters much more than the job title. Um, uh, there, I, the longer I've I've grown and gotten in my career, uh, the the less tolerance I've I've grown for for job situations where either kind of management isn't great or team team uh, relations aren't aren't great. And you know I, I think um, I think I think that's really 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 important. I think not something when you're necessarily a young person um, who is out to make on your mark on the world. You're always considering first and foremost. And, and honestly, the, the farther I get in my career, the the, the more of a consideration um, it, it's become. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I, I do think that that's something that people are talking about and considering more the importance of work environments and whether that you can relate to the work environment or it's, it's going to be a positive thing for you. So when it goes to making decisions about where you work, what advice would you have for people who are considering having that be a major factor? How do you go about looking into a workplace environment before you go and that sort of thing? Sure. I mean, you can also you can always read what um, you see online. You know, sometimes there's there's stuff for like Glassdoor and things mm-hmm. available about an organization. I think this can be one of the really huge challenges I remember from just starting out my career. Is you're so unspecialized. It's it's hard to kind of forge even even begin to forge connections into the organizations you're interested in working with. Mm-hmm. But um, if if you could, I would I would kind of strongly try to encourage you if you can both to try to, especially if you're at the point of being offered a job, to see if you can talk to people who are at the organization or who have just left the organization, so they can give you a little bit of a sense of sort of what some of the workplace politics um, are like. You can also um, get a lot of interesting information out of, of interviews. Um, you know, one thing I think I only learned a little bit later in, in my career is that it's not just that you're being interviewed for a job, you're interviewing your prospective employer. Mm-hmm. And usually if there are morale issues, um, uh, uh, policy issues, um, management issues, often but not always, those kinds of issues become pretty apparent in um, the interview. I, I can certainly say that's been my experience where if you, if you, you're able to read the room correctly, you can, you can have a pretty good sense of what an organization's um, issues are and whether, it, whether you're an appropriate fit for the position. And, and even if you get offered the job, you know, it might be scary, but honestly, I think working in a really, really bad situation, depending on where you're at can be, can be sometimes worse than being unemployed. Mm-hmm. 
That's a really good point, though, to to mention that you're not just the, the one being interviewed. You're also looking to if it's a good fit for you. You know, it's, it's a give and take sort of situation. So career wise, what do you envision the next phase being for you if you've thought about that yet? Sure. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm very happy where I am uh, right now. Um, I kind of have forged a career, both the kind of the nexus of, of think tanks and, and government um, and academia, actually, too. And, you know, I see myself more or less staying on the on the path I'm at for a while. Um, I think we're doing a lot of interesting work on, on the Africa Center. One kind of pretty unexpected career direction for me that has actually been, I think, interesting and fruitful is that I got my PhD in civil military relations in Africa, but when I got to the Africa Center, which is my current organization, I was asked to start a program on cyber issues, threats, and challenges. So I've, I've kind of helped since 2019 when I started start that program, and it's been interesting to see it grow and, and begin to gain traction and, you know, talk about um, all, all the, I'll talk about a lot of in Africa's strategic threats from things like critical infrastructure, sabotage, disinformation, um, drones and things like that with with colleagues all over Africa, you know, mm-hmm. Ghana, Nigeria, the African Union, places like that. It's been a really, really interesting ride. Mm-hmm. So that'd be one other advice I would have would be, um, you know, your career is sometimes going to take slight left or right turns and it's, it can be, it can, you can, you can uh, roll with it and, and make good opportunities out of them. Definitely, definitely. So you briefly mentioned having both experience in, in your relatively in industry now, but also having experience with the academia side of of work. Um, what would your thoughts be on the difference between academia post PhD and, and working industry post PhD? Not sure. I can talk too much about the private sector. Um, I can talk more about like the differences between academia and government. Um, I think that they're somewhat different. You know, if you want to work in academia, generally speaking, uh, you have to invest a lot of time in uh, original research and publications and depending on exactly where you want to go uh, in in teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you want to work in government, I think it's more important to have some of the more practical uh, management-oriented skills, country experience, those those kinds of things. I'm um, in both in both settings, and this is why I think, to some degree, being an academic really helped me. Uh, mm-hmm. Being able to write well is really really matters a lot. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a really really crucial skill. Um, so that was part of how I think I was able to to do pretty well, kind of getting the kinds of opportunities I was interested in after my PhD was that I had a couple of academic publications, a couple of more policy oriented applications. And, you know, there were, those were, I think, interesting to both audiences. Definitely. So within your work now, or just all work experiences, experiences you've had, have there been any necessarily like favorite parts that you've had or parts that you continue to dive deeper into Favorite parts that I've had, um, I you know I think I've had a couple of career I've had a couple of career highlights I would guess for better lack of explanation I mean so when I was a 
immediately after my, my PhD, I had the opportunity to serve as a policy advisor on the task force on extremism in fragile states, which was uh, uh, at the U.S. Institute of Peace. And some of the work that we did helped uh, indirectly or directly lead to the passage of the Global Fragility Act. So that was really cool to be a, a fly on the wall as a lot of extremely senior policy people kind of talked about things like violent extremism in fragile states and that whole process, see that whole process sort of culminate in the passage of a major piece of legislation. I would say that was, that was a big, um, that was, that was a big, you know, uh, you've had some impact in your career kind of, kind mm -hmm. of moment. Um, and I'll also say earlier, even early on in my career though, I had, I had, you know, this is not, I think this is actually not a, not a pretty normal Hill intern experience, but it, but it happens. There was like a, a thing I worked on on the Hill that ended up getting passed as part of a, a, a house bill, I think. So that was also mm. uh, kind of, kind of cool. Um, <laughs> and I, I think what's also been particularly unique and rewarding about kind of this job in particular is um, where previous jobs I've had have been U.S. focused, we're much more focused on trying to have you know, impact in, in Africa and making, you know, rather than saying the U.S. should do X, Y, Z, we're actually saying, look, here are some good practices, both from within Africa itself, and here's some African, here's some African colleagues we know to talk about them as well as from abroad. And, you know, to see, you know, people who are very senior um, uh, government and, and policy officials kind of either react to your work, react to a suggestion, um, build relationships with them. It's really, really interesting. Like we, for example, we just were, were my organization, I don't claim to have a big part in this, but we, we organized a, um, uh, a round table for um, African, you know, ambassadors and defense ministers um, on the side of the recent Africa Leaders Summit. And that they had the Secretary of the Army spoke at that. Um, the, the commander of U.S. Africa Command spoke at that. So that was kind of also really cool just to participate in that and, you know, you know, be part of that, that process. Definitely. Those, those big moments are, are pivotal to maintaining a, a well-rounded career, I think. So our last question today is something that we're asking all of our interviewees. And I think that it, you've touched on it briefly, but really we want to know what inspires you right now? So I'm, you probably have heard this before, but I think one of the things that inspires me right now is honestly, um, I think the energy and uh, interest in standing up for justice and equality, I see a lot from a lot of younger people these days. Um, you know, as an older millennial, I kind of remember a time when the general trajectory of the world kind of seemed to be uh, going very, very well and, you know, sort of thought of, one of the things I was going to do with my life would be to hope, hopefully try to kind of keep things from, from, uh, you know, keep things going well in various ways. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I thought a lot of the biggest problems we would face, for example, as a country would be uh, abroad, which is part of why I got international, interested in international relations. Uh, I think to some extent that's still largely the case, but I, I never would have foreseen uh, the degree of kind of internal instability that we've had here in the United States. And had I, had I known that was coming, I might've, you know, thought a little bit more about working on mm -hmm. social and social justice issues at home. And, you know, I see kind of a, a renewed commitment, I think, to those kinds of issues 
coming out of from a lot of young people that that I think hopefully will lead to very good outcomes over the long term for uh, this country and uh, the world. Definitely. I I agree. That is also inspiring to me. Um, but thank you so much for for all you've shared today. I think that you've given such great advice on all sorts of things about your career and, and really brought a lot of insight into that. Sure, thanks. Thanks for your, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Hope that you find it useful.